Alaskans, wherever you are, welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right in a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to MustReadAlaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And I want to thank everybody for listening, watching, reading Must Read Alaska. If you want to help keep the lights on here in Must Read Alaska, all you got to do is go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. Every $5, $10 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. We took a little bit of a break uh, from the show the last couple of weeks. I was uh, down in the lower 48, lower 48, helping my dad move, and I'm back now, back in the saddle, and we got a doubleheader today. We have uh, Senator James Kaufman up first, and then we have Mayor Edna from the Matsu Borough and up next. So without further ado, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show, Senator Kaufman. Hi, John. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, it's, I'm 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 excited that you came back on because um, I think we chatted earlier earlier in the summer, and we just didn't have enough time to cover everything, and we were kind of sitting at the end of the show wishing we'd had had a couple more, I don't know, half an hour or so to to finish a couple topics. So, first, how's your summer been? We're almost to the end of it. How's the summer panning out for you? Oh, my standard line for this summer is partly cloudy. Uh, <laughs> between the the weather, lots lots of work and, and things to do. This hasn't been the most fun summer I've had, um, but I, I'm getting getting things done. And and uh, so I guess sometimes a rainy day is a is a good day to get some work done. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty much been pouring down rain here on the Kenai Peninsula for the last several weeks. So, um, you know, I'm sure our wildfires like that. So at least there's one good thing that's come out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. My, my um, <laughs> So you um, let's chat about the this uh, infrastructure money. I think, um, you know, Senator Murkowski, Dan Sullivan um, have worked very hard to get the state of Alaska a pretty big chunk of change for infrastructure. Um, some call it, um, you know, improvements. Talk to us a little bit about where some of this money is being spent. How big a deal is it for Alaska? What have you and your colleagues been doing to make sure that this money gets spent in a wise manner? Well, the the big picture of the money guaranteed to Alaska, there's about oh, uh, six and a half billion, um, a lot of money, um, 300 million uh, for ferries. And I'm kind of focusing on as the chair of Senate Transportation, you know, what what I'll interface with um, close to four billion uh, for roads and highways. And so there's uh, a lot of money coming in for infrastructure projects. Now, there's a, a big chunk of money that's being spent, you know, on data. So uh, broadband and with priorities for un unserved or underserved areas. So a lot of broadband build out and all of that. But in the transportation realm, um, the, the, the blessing and the curse is that we've got money coming in to improve our transportation system. That's the blessing. The, the curse is we have to make sure that this money is well spent and, and actually produces value. And that's where the, you know, the improvement and kind of integrity management universe that I like to operate in, that's where, where that comes into play. 
So um, the Port of Alaska, I've had the Mayor Bronson on several times to talk about the Port of Alaska as one of the topics. Um, the legislation made a big uh, $300 million chunk out to Alaska, I think last year or the year before, may have been less, may have been more than that. But how how important is it for us to shore up that port? Because from what I've heard, you know, one more big earthquake and we're screwed. <laughs> and that's kind of where we get everything from pencils to food to computers. Everything comes through that port. So um, is this going to fix it? Is this, you know, one of 10 steps that's going to take 20 more years? What's your take on it? Well, um, speed costs money. So, you know, so the, the rate of improvement will always be driven by the availability of dollars. Uh, but yeah, the, in the legislature, it, when I was in the house, I, I was part of, uh, of those that helped secure that initial 200 million in capital. Um, and then <clears throat> this year, uh, a group of us, uh, the Anchorage coalition, um, it's the legislators from Anchorage. We kind of got together and said, well, uh, maintaining that funding, there was about 75 million that was going to be clawed back um, or was at risk of being clawed back. And so we, we kind of grouped together and said, you know, the port is critical. Um, and so, you know, we're not for that. So we'll stand against that. And whether that was what did it or not, um, the, that capital money was not clawed back. So the port um, essentially got that 200 million for FY23 and uh, fiscal year 24. Um, so that they have that and that's that's part of the ongoing funding now. Uh, the, there's an untold story that the, the needs statement uh, or the problem statement for the port that it's falling apart, it's at high risk, it'll it, it's our, our total supply chain security for uh, so much, you know, almost everything that gets shipped uh, to most of Alaska as, as a, an incoming point and a distribution distribution point. That story uh, was out there a lot. And what, what I started having to get people to focus on more was the solution statement. So yes, it's it's falling down, but what, what's the solution? Well, it's not gonna be a, another boondoggle project that, that doesn't get us where we need to be. Um, so from the legislature, one of the things that I was doing was really focusing on the project planning and the project management to be sure that if we did secure funding and the 200 million, that's kind of seed money for a, a program like this. If you think of the project, it's really a, of, of a series of, of improvement projects to, to upgrade the facility. Some of those have been completed. Some are in process and some are yet to be. Um, but we needed to be sure that what we were doing was going to result in success. So I started transitioning people off of the, we need money for the problem into, okay, and how well are we gonna manage the project assuming that we get funding because it is so critical. So uh, all of the stories about how it could have fallen in the mud are absolutely true. I've been under the thing at low tide and, and seen how bad it is. It's a little scary. Oh, it's totally scary, uh, especially when you you know that a lot of those rusted pilings, um, the you, you know the administration building it is on those pilings, so you actually have an occupied building with people in it. Uh, it it's pretty scary, and that's one of the improvements that they're going to make. So um, we we have you know absolutely worked with folks in the muni um, 
and with the contractor with Jacobs to help assure that key project deliverables were being produced. So do you have do you have a, a resource loaded master schedule? Uh, have you done what's called a work breakdown structure where you identify all the key tasks and you load that into the into the schedule and you load the resources that are needed to do it? And that really that's the key to building a, a good management uh, plan and schedule, but also in developing your cost accounting centers so that you can track your spending. That's called earned value. So behind the scenes, we were working with, with the contractor and with folks in the Muni to be sure that this project was managed to those high standards that are typical of an enterprise level um, major capital project. And so we, all of that, uh, at first, when I was asking for those deliverables, it was kind of like, um, they, yeah, we'll they probably like they probably stared at you like a deer in the headlight and they're like uh senator's <laughs> not supposed to use those kinds of words <laughs> yeah that's the thing they know what they are but they're not used to people uh from government that have, have lived for decades in a project management world you know it multi-billion dollar project so you start asking for those things that starts shaking the bushes and that helps um you're helping the people in the in the organizations that want to do things right when you ask the right questions, you're helping them, you're enabling them. And so things start bubbling and popping and, and coming together when you start asking the right question. So, uh, and, and so out of that, uh, we've had successes. So we've secured funding. Um, it's actually, there's progress. The uh, petroleum and cement terminal replacement is now complete. The dock is operational. I was fortunate enough to be there with my uh, staff doing a tour when the second of all time uh, ships came in to unload cement um, into the cement storage facility there. So I got to see the, not the first ship coming in, but the second one. And it's a pretty grand thing to see, you know, that that the, the old uh, dock has been removed and this new facility has been put into much higher standards. Um, it's been secured from earthquakes by the, the the you know geological work that they're doing where they're they're reinforcing that shaky ground there um, with some geoengineering that they're doing so it, it's it, it's little known that there's progress so they're not just pouring money into a mud hole um, there's actual progress and they're moving right along they're in the process now of uh, rebuilding that administration building on solid ground and getting it off of that valuable uh, you know, deck uh, of the, the dock. So they're doing those improvements, getting that uh, potential disaster out of the way. And and so there's progress. Um, we got to show off a little bit um, with our transportation secretary. Yeah, the, uh, this, the Peter, uh, the, the secretary of transportation was here. What did he think about it? Um, that was a good visit. I, I was uh, fortunate, I guess, because of my role, I was the only state legislator that was uh, on on that tour. Uh, so with the mayor and the transportation secretary. And and so we toured, you know, it started out with a uh, a meeting, you know, in a, in a boardroom type situation. Uh, and the, the mayor rolled a, a video that I've got that available on my Senator Kaufman Facebook page, a link to that video and some information about the port visit. Uh, so and that was fascinating. What they did, they got to an extreme low tide and they had a drone fly through there and just show some of the 
corrosion damage that's that's under there that usually even when you take the low tide tour you don't get to see that and so that was very compelling footage it, it did an excellent job of of as i say um, delivering the problem statement and then we started shifting into the solution statement which is a well-managed project uh, that requires a, a layer cake of funding um, you know, there's, there's state, there's federal, there's uh, tariffs, there's all the things that will go into the funding plan for the port, and, and all of that's in the works. So, um, good good meeting, and then we went out, we toured uh, different areas of the project, uh, everything from the whale watching operation, which is essential as part of the permitting process, because the, the seismic activity. The blue dry... whales, right, they watch for those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. And if, if they're around, you know, they have to pull back. So one of the things that was being delivered to the secretary is, hey, this is a well-managed project, uh, both productivity-wise as well as uh, environmentally. Um, but also, hey, you, you got to work with us because our construction window is so narrow. So it, I, I felt like uh, the secretary and importantly, his entourage, so um, there's people traveling with him, you know, that that work in his office, you know, his his second in, in command and all that, and they were getting kind of a master class on, on reality in Alaska. And, and I, I really saw that sinking in. And I, I, at the end of it all, I thought I heard, you know, the, the right things. It's like the eyes had been open that, hey, we're, we're not really asking for much. We're just trying to get kind of on par with, you know, modestly with some national standards, but we have a real challenge doing it. And it's extraordinarily expensive and difficult to, to do that up here. Um, you know, then we went and uh, looked at the rest of the, the dock facilities, you know, so what's old, what's new, and, and then wrapped it up at, at the uh, press availability. And at that press availability, the secretary said, everything I would want to hear, um, it, it, it all sounded good. It, again, in, in politics and in life, it's always a challenge to get to turn words into real action, but I, I did walk away feeling like he and his uh, his acting assistant secretary um, really, you know, that their eyes were opened uh, with respect to what we're trying to do here and what we needed to do. So was there a big ask at the end or was this part of like kind of the follow-up for the money that was already promised for the infrastructure stuff? Well, the ask was just what it needed to be. It, it's A, um, getting our, our permitting processes uh, streamlined to, to be reflective of our, our real challenges with our construction season. Um, get you know, get, work with us to to uh, be able to open up our construction window and keep it open to get done what we need to get done. So uh, permitting uh, streamlining, and then also, of course, you know the the funding plan and uh, how how that that funding can occur. When I mentioned the layer cake, you've got, you know, you have plain old federal uh, infrastructure money, but then because of the military tie-in, there may be an opportunity for, um, so for funding for the port because of its military strategic importance. And so uh, if you have somebody that's working proactively with you in Washington to help knit those pieces together to make a very robust funding plan that doesn't draw entirely on, on, on local money or entirely on, on federal money, but it, it's a, a well-developed uh, uh, 
source of funding that comes from multiple sources that's well designed and it's dependable. And that way, if you have dependable funding, you can start to anticipate managing your project better because you have visibility. You, you know you're going to be able to keep proceeding and, and marching along with this program of projects that will end up with a, a rebuilt port. So another chunk of the infrastructure money, is my understanding, is a big chunk went to the Alaska Marine Highway. Um, talk to us about that and what you think you're hopeful for with a big chunk of change like that. Well, uh, I have to I have to go back a little bit. Um, you know, when I went into the legislature, the the driving um, theme was that I would try and build uh, continuous improvement and strategic management processes in, into the government every opportunity that I had. I would do it at high level with 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 uh, high level legislation to really change and improve our operating system. But I would also work on it and in inserting it along the way anywhere I could get it. And, and so we've, we've been doing that with some success. In the prior legislature, in the 32nd, I was in the House and there was a bill coming through. It was HB 63. It was Speaker Stute's bill. Um, and it's that bill's goal was to create an oversight board to to try and drive the marine highway system into a higher level of performance. Well, I saw a lot of gaps in that bill, and I ended up pushing in 12 amendments into it, and it transformed it. Um, it turned the board into a competency-driven board, not so much of a politically-driven board. It created the requirement for long-term and short-term strategic operating plans, and it enabled the board to be able to write corrective actions against uh, those plans. So if the plan's in place and the plan's not happening, then the board can do a, a corrective action report, which alerts the legislature and the Department of Transportation, Marine Highway System. It, it alerts everybody that, hey, you're off plan. We either need to fix the plan if it's wrong or we need to get you back on, but you're not doing what you said you were doing. So we put some teeth into it. And and what I refer to as enterprise uh, management standards, it's more like what you would do in business, but tailored for, for a government-owned uh, entity. So we created that, and the backdrop of that was that this infrastructure money was coming. So the timing was pretty amazing. So we were working on that bill. We got it passed. Uh, I helped get it through the House, and then I helped get it through the Senate um, because I knew that the amendments we did uh, it was the best shot we were going to have at getting uh, improving our operating processes through a, a board, an operations board. Then you roll forward into the future. I, I get elected to the Senate and I end up somehow uh, the chair of transportation. And, and so now that's right. Using a nautical thing that's in my wheelhouse there. So we started working on on implementing the the requirements of that bill. So we worked with the. Uh, Alaska uh, Marine Highway Operations Board, that was the board that we created, um, and the Department of Transportation, we took the statute in my office and we turned it into a matrix of requirements. And then we created columns of who's supposed to do it, who's supposed to be informed, who's supposed to be consulted, and who at the highest level is accountable for it happening. So responsible, accountable, um, consulted, and informed. It's referred to as a RACI chart. 
So we made this operational matrix of all, if you can picture law that is turned into bulleted requirements with a pinpoint on exactly who's supposed to do what and who they're supposed to involve. And so then we took that to the board, we surfaced it with them, we uh, had conversations about it, they went off and took it. And then they came back and they said, this is great. And they adopted it as, as part of their SOP. So we built in an operational framework um, for improvement. With that is the requirement for long-term and short-term plans. But the reason why I focus on long-term plans is everybody uh, has heard the term kick the can down the road. And, and that to me, that's status quo management. You show up every day, you do what you've been doing, um, you don't have an eye on improvement and you're just doing the same thing over and over because that's the way we've done it. And what you actually want is transformational management that has key goals and objectives that are, are on a higher mountaintop, so to speak. So if you want to get to that mountaintop and at the end of, let's say, I don't know, pick a time frame for the marine highway system. You want to get to that mountaintop. What are you doing every day along with your daily operations to keep dialing up your your potential to get to that higher peak? You know, if, if you want to live on a mountain and run with the wolves, you got to have a plan to get there. So we have, we've been focusing on the long-term strategic operating plan on the key goals and objectives that, that can help transform our current system into one that operates at, at a much higher level. And then with that, the infrastructure money comes. So it's it's amazing uh, the linkage of these things. So we create the board, I'm in the house where I can do that, uh, working with the speak, then speaker, Stute. And then um, the, the money's coming, I'm in the transportation committee as the chair, and I can really have meaningful engagement with the Department of Transportation, the Marine Highway System, and the new board that we created. And so this has really come together into a nexus where uh, in, in a very cooperative and productive, proactive way, we're, we're all working together to come up with a better plan for the marine highway system. And it's not just looking back at you know, the glorious history of the blue canoe. It's no, what are you doing to transform into the transportation system that we need for Southeast and, and other, you know, areas that are served by the, the ferry system. So I feel good about it. Um, thank God we've done that because if, if we had the, uh, I don't know, what, what was it that we had come in, uh, the infrastructure funds, 300 million for the Yeah, ferry. 300 million. Yeah, it, if we had money coming in and all we had was the same status quo mentality, um, you know, that that's just a recipe for a very expensive can kicking session. So. Uh, the, the timing was great. The engagement from all, all involved was great. Um, it's been one of those things you, you hear the storming, norming, and forming the, the stages of, of people coming together around a project. So I'm very hopeful. Um, you know, the Marine Highway System will always be a challenging, uh, difficult, expensive operation. Um, but we have, it, it's a, it will be a component of the transportation system, you know, for these marine served areas. Um, we, we have to have something. It can't all be roads. I think we need some more roads. I think if you look at the, you know, the master plan for for transportation going into the future, it it has to encompass all of the changes. So air travel has increased since the, the marine highway system was conceived. 
Um, you know, we so you have to account for all of those things and the Department of Transportation and their master planning, which is getting, uh, I believe I'm seeing big improvements there. I think we're starting to look at more holistic planning and they're, they're trying to become a bit more nimble uh, with, so it, it, you can get so planned that you become locked, you know, set in stone. Uh, and then when reality changes or you find out your assumptions were wrong, then you're unable to adapt. And one of the things that I see going in, in the Department of Transportation is, is at least the intent. And they're working on the way of, of getting, becoming a more nimble, more responsive organization that, that can kind of roll with the punches and start to deliver the projects uh, that we need that are integrated, uh, they're holistic. Uh, so a transportation system is, you know, air, sea, land. And so how does all that work together in a master transportation plan? How is it managed uh, along the way as uh, localized projects that are part of a master plan? So this uh, this 300 million, is that pretty much, is it already earmarked or are you guys still figuring out the best ways to spend that slash save it? Well, I, I'd say, it, you know, it's, the, the planning, you know, is, is going on around that. So there's, you know, uh, there's a vessel. The, the marine highway system right now is not operating yet according to the to the long-term plan. They're, they're still in triage around kind of their vessel repair and, and replacement challenges that they have. And so um, that's, okay. Yeah, so that that's the, you know, the immediately the, the short-term kind of operational needs are still are still prevailing. You know, they, they have to deal with the boats that that need maintenance upgrades and some replacements. And so that's the focus. And that's not of, cheap. That's not you could you don't go down to your corner store and get your ferry fix. It's probably expensive and it takes a long time and it gets the ferries out of service from making money as well. Yeah, and you know so, some of the big issues. So if you have a boat that's operational, um, you know the staffing. And so what what you kind of had was a a catastrophic system failure, um, the perfect storm, so to speak. And so there's there's things to improve with the recruitment, training, and retention of people. Um, so you have to have the people, you have to have the hardware, uh, and not just boats. But there are port improvements too that are part of the the big picture that needs to be done. So um, I think you're a great example of somebody who um, hasn't been a career politician their whole life. You worked on the slope for your career as a project manager. You know, there's going to be folks that listen to this. Maybe they've had a career with Hillcorp or whatever, and you know their skill set and knowledge could be helpful to the state and and they don't know what how to get involved where do they, where do they get involved how do they get involved what's your advice to somebody for somebody looking to get involved in this crazy political world in Alaska for the first time where should somebody start how do they make a difference well i would say uh, you know i'm i'm anchorage based so my perspective is anchorage i'd say right off the bat um, find your local community council and start to show up at it um, because all all politics are local and 
you know, that that's a, a great place to start to get plugged in. And you'll meet people that, that care about it. That's uh, many of the people that are in politics um, and are, are doing things. They got their start by showing up to one too many community council meetings. I know that's my story after I retired. And next thing I knew, I was I was getting recruited to run in 2020. So community council. And then I would say another big thing that you can do is is keep an eye on all the boards and commissions we have. And there's a lot of great work that's happening. Like I'm talking about the the AMHOB, uh, the Alaska Marine Highway Operations Board. Um, there's a lot of boards out there that are are just pivotal in helping to steer policy. And we really need talent. We need you know people that have have seen things and know stuff and, and know how to how to do things to help populate those boards. And you know that doesn't have to become an all-consuming um, you know second full-time job. But that's definitely something that you can do to really contribute to Alaska is everything, you know, kind of soup to nuts. Um, look, look for your local opportunities and your community councils or other community organizations. You know, like on the hillside, we have HALO, the, the Hillside Area Landowners Organization that that uh, addresses a lot of issues locally here on the Anchorage Hillside, um, all the way to boards and commissions. And then if it really lights your fire, um, consider running. And uh, if anybody wants to talk about that, uh, I'm happy to share my story uh, with individuals that are, are thinking about becoming more engaged, either in helping uh, campaigns or in, in being the campaigner themselves and actually running. Um, I've got some experience in all that, so I'm happy to lend advice to anyone who's interested. Nice. So um, some of these projects take a long time, right? You know, you'll go through a number of different presidents maybe a, a couple different senators. How important is it to be willing to work with both sides of the aisle? Because, you know, if you were to sit here and say, I'm only going to work with Republicans, I'm only going to talk to a secretary of transportation that's a conservative, you know, you'd probably be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for a long time, uh, for at least another year and a half. So how important is it to say, okay, everybody needs to drive on a road and both Democrats and Republicans and independents and nonpartisans need to take the ferry. So I'm going to work with both sides of the aisle here. How important is that? Well, I, you know, I, I got some ribbing because uh, there I am posing with Secretary Buttigieg and shaking his hand and posing for picture. And I thought, well, heck, you know, this is pretty important. So my political differences with somebody have have they just don't matter when we're looking at, at a, a combined, a mutual priority such, such as this. So, you know what, I'm not going to go, you know, pose with the guy. So, yeah, I, definitely you have to. I have passed, I would say my office because the staff is, man, uh, the, you know, the, they're really what keeps the wheels turning. So in our office, we've passed multiple bills uh, with unanimous votes in both bodies. Um, you know, we did two just this year. And they're common sense improvement bills. But if you focus on what's what's truly useful, you can have more success and you can get everybody on board. So first thing is key. Look, look at what's possible in politics. Then you have to look. There's a lot of P's that there's the personalities that you're going to have to work with. And then the, there's the actual politics of, of the issue that you're dealing with. So if you can get where you, you get all your P's aligned from from the the policy objective all the way to the personalities and the team politics that are involved, then you can get something done. Um, if you can't work 
all of those factors, then you're going to, you might stand on a soapbox and, and, you know, shout at the clouds, but you're not actually going to shape policy. Somebody else will be while you're, you're busy um, with less productive work. Yeah. And, and, and what I try to remind folks too, is that just because you have a conversation with somebody doesn't mean that you agree with everything that person's done from when they were born till now. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't agree with myself from a few years ago or, you know, a decade ago um, that new information is always coming and we have to continually assess our environment and respond to reality as best we can. Although sometimes it's a challenge to, to keep the focus on what really matters. Well, you have any last minute things before we head off here? It's been a quick 40 minutes. Yeah, this is amazing. Every time I talk, <laughs> it just rolls. So, no, well, I, um, I guess on that, you know, climbing that mountain thing, I've, I've been this interim working on trying to uh, get back in shape and, and uh, do more exercise and, you know, get, get all of my key personal goals and metrics uh, tuned up a bit so I, so I can reach that peak. So, I just urge everyone, take care of your health, uh, you know, make that part of your daily operations and, and uh, you know, let's all be healthier, stronger and happier going forward. Nice. And then one last question, if, if somebody has, somebody lives in your district, um, they got a question, they have a concern, how do they get a hold of your office? What's the best way? Um, you can go to akleg.gov um, and that's the website that has all of the senators on it. Um, and you can, you know, it, it has all the points of contact for the entire legislature, including me. Um, or you can go directly to my website, which is senatorkaufman.com. That's Kaufman spelled K-A-U-F, just one F, M-A-N, Kaufman.com, senatorkaufman.com. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Senator, for you joining us. I'll put that link in the description for folks interested in uh, connecting with you if they live in your district. And we wish you nothing but success here at Must Read Alaska. And uh, if you're listening, watching, and reading Must Read Alaska and you love what you're reading, feel free to go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side there, there's a little donate button. Every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. And for folks tuning in, you get a double header. Like I said, Mayor Edna is coming on next of the Matsu Borough. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. Thanks for all the work you do, John. Yeah, I'll send you the link and you can do whatever you want with it after, you know, but at least you'll have it. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Senator.